it's so good to be here this morning. As we get ready for the word of God today, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 10. And this is going to be a very strong and encouraging word for someone here today that might be going through a time in their life that they don't know what's next, what to do. But how many of you feel today that we're living in such a time where we're just trying to survive, we're just trying to make it? And as we go into this word, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. Daniel chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. The Bible says, the astrologers replied to the king, No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever been asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. Let me say that one more time. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among the people. The king was furious when he heard this. He ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. And when Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Ariok, why has the king told such a harsh decree? Ariok told him all that happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time. Notice this, church. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what his dream meant. And I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Lord, give me wisdom. Well, how many need some wisdom this morning? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this word. We thank you for this church service. We thank you for this word that's about to be taught. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom we need for the problems we face, for the hope that we need so desperately. Give us strength and courage and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we go into this word today. As we go into this word today, let me give you a context of what's going on here. But in the scriptures, King Nebuchadnezzar was a king in Babylon. Remember, the Israelites were taken captive and slaves in Babylon. So Daniel, along with many of the Israelites, are in an unknown place. They're not sure where they're at, they're not familiar with the culture, and they've been taken as slaves. And King Nebuchadnezzar, a powerful ruler, one night had a dream 
And in this dream, he did not know what it meant. But Daniel had the gift of interpretation. But see, when King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, he knew it was not an ordinary dream. He knew this this dream was a message. This dream meant something. And King Nebuchadnezzar was anxious because he wanted to know what it all meant. He wanted understanding. But this was an ungodly pagan culture. They did not pray to God. They prayed to many gods. They had astrologers. They had mediums. They had magicians and sorcerers, the Bible says. They played with all of these dark magic to try to get answers for life in the future. Because a lot of us have this in our lives. We want to know what tomorrow brings so that we can be better prepared today. So Nebuchadnezzar, he got all his leaders and magicians and teachers and he summed it all up in this. He said, bring me the wise men because these people were known to have wisdom. And as the wise men came to Nebuchadnezzar and they had time to hear the dream and try to think about the dream and try to interpret the dream. None of them had answers. And I wonder today how many of you are in a place where you have no answers to the problems that you're being faced with. And all the wise men got together and they were honest with King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're sorry. But we don't know what this dream means. And they try to defend themselves and they said, in fact, King Nebuchadnezzar, it is impossible for us to understand this. King Nebuchadnezzar, it's so impossible that not even the gods can do it. And even if the gods could do it, they live so far from us and they don't even know that we're here. So they told King Nebuchadnezzar, there's no way to figure this dream out. And King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. He was so angry that the wisest of wise men could not figure out this dream that he ordered all the men in Babylon, the interpreters, to be killed, which also meant Daniel. So in one moment, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered all the wise men to be killed. To be killed. Go with me to verse 11. Look at what the wise men clearly told Nebuchadnezzar. The king's demand is what? Impossible. It's impossible. And this is why he was so angry Because King Nebuchadnezzar did not hear the words, maybe we can tell you. We might be able to tell you. We hope we can tell you the dream. King Nebuchadnezzar heard a word that a lot of us don't like to hear. It's impossible. And this is why he was so angry. Why he ordered all the men to be executed, including Daniel. But see, when Daniel heard that King Nebuchadnezzar ordered all the men to be killed, King Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that he, out of his own emotions, he just wanted to kill everyone. So in a moment, Daniel is now faced with a life and death situation. 
But Daniel went to King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, King, give me more time. Give me more time. And I'll have answers. He said, King, just give me more time and I will tell you the dream. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, you have one day. What do you do when time is running out? Like Daniel, he has 24 hours to figure this out. He has a day to figure out what the dream means. And he knows if I don't figure this out, if I don't get answers, it's over. You see, Daniel needs wisdom. He needs a solution. And he needs a miracle. How many of you this morning say, Pastor, that's me? Feel like time is against me. Time is running out. And I need wisdom. I need a solution to this problem. And be so honest with yourself to say, Pastor, I need a miracle. Because Daniel teaches us that life can be so unexpected. So unpredictable. Daniel never saw this coming. And that's what happens in our lives. Life can be so unexpected that one day you're fine and happy and the next day you have cancer. One minute you're raising what you think is a good, decent child and the next day they're rebelling. One day you think you have a strong, happy marriage and the next day your husband says, I want a divorce. One second you think you have a secure job and the next minute they say, we're laying off people. Life can happen so quick. Amen? And situations can come so fast, you do not see them coming. You did not see this happening. See, Daniel did not see this happening because that's life. And Daniel is in a position that many of us are in right now. It's when you have more questions than answers. Questions like, what am I going to do? Why is this happening to me? How am I going to fill in the blank? And we're left with so many more questions than answers. And what you're faced with is impossible. And time's running out. See, Daniel's in a place now where he tells the king, I'll figure it out for you. He's just buying time. How many of you have ever bought time before? And Daniel's in a position now where he's saying, I got to figure this out. If not, we're all going to die. 
Daniel is just trying to survive and figure things out. That might be the story of your life. You've come here this morning to church. No one really knows inside what's really going on. You come to church with a smile, but they don't know the tears you cry at night. You look at me right now and I'm wearing a jacket and a suit or whatever and it all looks decent, I hope. But what you don't know and my wife doesn't know that underneath this shirt I have an undershirt that's dirty, it smells and it's wrinkled. But it was my only one. But none of you knew. Why? Because it's so easy to cover things up. Now many, I wonder how many of you right now are thinking the same thing. Is he talking to me? Because I'm undercover right now. And some of you are thinking also, I'm going to buy him some shirts because he needs, that's nasty. The church, isn't it so easy to come to church and pretend it's all going to be okay? That everything... But Daniel is a lot like us. We're just trying to survive and figure things out. Be honest. How many of you right now, by a show of hands, are on survival mode in some area in your life? Say, Pastor, I'm just trying to make it. Trying to figure this out. That's Daniel. Trying to make it. And figure it out. Maybe you're trying to survive and figure it out in your finances. You know, I had a conversation last yesterday, and I was telling the people, do you remember when we were younger that $20 lasted you all weekend when you were a kid? We're my, my generation before that. Yeah, we, they would give us $20. And we, that was from Friday all the way through Sunday. We went to the mall. We ate at the food court. We went to the movie. We did everything. And I'm thinking, how did we do it with $20? And now $20, what does it get you in life? <laughs> and you're trying to survive financially. You're trying to make it and figure it out. Well, if I pay this bill, I can wait and pay this bill later. But if I don't pay this bill, then I have to pay this one. And you're trying to move things around or trying to make it because you're getting paid less now, but everything's going up. You're trying to figure out how am I going to put gas in the car tomorrow to take the kids to school to buy the uniforms I can't afford, but I got to figure it out. And you're trying to survive. Maybe you're surviving with your kids. I got to figure it out with them. What am I going to do with my child? My child's a teenager. My child's an adult and making bad decisions. And we got to figure something out because if we don't, they're going to end up in the wrong place and they're going to make even worse decisions. And parents are trying to survive 
the teenage years. They're trying to survive the childhood years. They're trying to survive and raise a child to be healthy and love the Lord in a generation that doesn't want to. Maybe you're trying to survive a marriage. And you're saying, I don't know how long we can continue this way. Pastor, if you only knew the wrinkles we have in our marriage and how much it stinks, our marriage is like your shirt underneath. But we got to pretend in front of the kids. It's fine. We're great. We have to cover it up in church. We're happy. We're okay. You're trying to survive life. But time is running out. And if I don't do anything and things don't change and nothing happens, like Daniel, it's over for you. Let me tell you something true about what Daniel teaches us. The wise men said, in verse 11, let's put it up one more time. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell your dream, and they don't live here among us. And there is one truth and one lie in this verse. Here's the truth. It was impossible. Those wise men were not being critical. They weren't being negative. They were telling truth. It is impossible what you're demanding, what you're asking of us. We cannot do it. I don't care how strong and wise you think we are, king. We cannot do this. It is impossible. And I want you to think right now in your life closely. What is it in your situation that is impossible in your eyes? That's the truth. But here's something that the wise men were so dumb to even think and say. They said, not even the gods can do it. They're so far from us. But they failed to see the one true God that is closer than you think. They said not even the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't even live here among us. In other words, they're saying, King, not even all the gods we have can do this, and they don't even live with us. They're far away, and sometimes your life gets so difficult, you feel like God is far. You feel like he's not around anymore. He's forgotten you. But the truth of the Word of God tells you that we have a God that came to dwell among us. His name is Jesus. And He lives among you. He is with you in your life. He is here on this earth. He is with you in your home. He is with you at your work. He is with you when you drive. He is with you in your situation. We do not have a God that is far away and can't be reached. We have a God that says, not only am I on the throne, you can approach me boldly and come to me because I am here with you always. The Bible says we have a God that sympathizes with us because he knows what you've gone through because he's gone through it. Don't let the devil lie to you that God is nowhere to be found. He is with you. He is always with you, always has been with you, always will be with you, and you are not alone. 
What a lie. The wise men said. Saying God is far from us. God is closer than you think. Look at Psalm 34, 18 through 19. 34, 18, it says, The Lord is, say it with me, He's close. But notice who God is close to. It doesn't say the Lord is close to the churchgoer, the Bible thumper. It says the Lord is close to the broken heart. Let's just pause for a second in that verse. Has life broken your heart lately? God says, I'm close. Has a person broken your heart? He's close. He's close to the broken heart. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. To have a crushed spirit is to go through such a situation that leaves you feeling like you're in despair and discouraged. A crushed spirit doesn't hope that things are going to get better because they don't believe it. A crushed spirit doesn't have the faith to say things are going to change because they don't see it. And it would surprise you so much how many people come to church every Sunday with a crushed spirit. And Daniel had a crushed spirit. And even David, who wrote this song, had a crushed spirit because David was facing pressure beyond measure. David not only had pressure in the battlefield as a warrior, he had another battlefield, and that was in his home, with his wife, with his kids. And David was a mighty warrior that everyone loved and was impressed by. But what people didn't know that David had issues in his private life that left him crushed in his spirit. David had no idea what was going to happen next. Sometimes David was so crushed, he had to sleep outside in the caves and hide from his enemies. David was broken and bruised. David was discouraged because his children were killing each other and raping each other, and he had his own sin to deal with, and he's trying to fix the people's problems, his problems, and his children's problems, and life was just falling so much on him, he was crushed. Have you ever felt crushed? By life. And then David writes this. Lord, you're close to the broken heart. And you rescue those who are crushed. And I want to tell someone here today. You may be crushed right now, but God is coming to your rescue. Come on, give God some praise this morning. He's going to come to your rescue. Look at verse 14 with me. There's a key that Daniel teaches us. Whenever you're facing a situation in life that requires wisdom, 
Remember, he has one day to figure out this dream. If not, he's going to die and everyone else. And Daniel was funny because Daniel, he's in a position where he has to figure things out. But what you don't read about is Daniel having anxiety, being depressed, being angry, giving up. Daniel stayed calm. Some of you are like, what's that mean? Stay calm. When Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, came, not only notice this, he came to Daniel not to talk, but to what? Read it there. To kill them. So everyone sees Ariok coming. Hey, look, it's Ariok. He's coming over. Oh, great. And why does he have a sword? Why is he bringing the sword out? Why is he facing us? Why is he running towards us? Why is he getting ready to kill us? What's going on? And he was about to be killed. But Daniel handled, say that with me, Daniel handled, one more time, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Let me pause this verse so I can stab you a little. Daniel handled the situation because all of us will be in a situation. Amen? But Daniel handled it with wisdom and discretion. If this was God writing about you, it would say, and you handled it with profanity and violence. And you handled it with drugs and alcohol. And you handled it with fear and depression. And you handled it. How? But Daniel handled it with wisdom and discretion. Discretion is how you choose to behave and speak. How many of us say, Pastor, preach on, because I need help in that area in my life. Don't act, don't act holy now. Daniel handled it with discretion. Let me be careful what I say now. Because if I say the wrong thing, we're going to die right now. That's how you have to treat your situation sometimes. If you're, especially if you're married, shut your mouth. Because your words have the power of life and death. And Daniel had the wisdom to say, I can, I can scream right now at this guy. I can tell him off. I can curse at him. But I'm going to use wisdom in how I speak to him. I'm going to use wisdom in how I behave right now. I'm going to make sure I handle this the right way. Don't you understand, church, what the Lord's trying to teach us this morning? If you had a better handle on the way you handle your situation, you may not be in the mess you're in right now. The problem is not the problem. The problem is how you choose to handle the problem. And if you learn to handle it with wisdom and discretion, imagine what God can get you out of. But chances are, you're saying, Pastor, the truth, if we're honest, I handle with my emotions. I handle with my anger. I handle with my 
pride. I handle it with my words. I handle it myself. And let me ask you a question back. How is that going for you? Daniel handled it. Wisdom. You know, when, you, when I play golf, if you ever first play golf, you tend to hold it like a baseball bat. And that's wrong when you're playing golf because in golf there's a way to handle it. You could overlap the grip, you can interlock the grip, but this is how you hit a golf club. But when you're first playing golf, all of this feels weird to you. You're like, what is this? And you're like trying to, you should see how people first play golf and they interlock their grip. They're all messed up and look weird. But if you do it long enough, it begins to feel natural. Comfortable. You handle it the right way long enough, it becomes second nature. And then you have grace. That's your sinful nature. Your sinful nature naturally wants to get angry, violent, hurt the other person, lash out, live in anxiety, live in fear. Be a victim. But see, when you have a spiritual nature, it's going to feel weird. But if you trust God long enough, it's going to become second nature for you to have wisdom and discretion and how you choose to handle your situation. And when the situation comes, you've been in it so long with the Lord, you tend to handle it better. And you say, well, I'm going to handle it with peace. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait. And that wasn't you a few years ago. But you got to learn how to handle it. You've got to learn how to handle crazy people. Crazy people. I'm going to say, oh, crazy is offensive. Yeah, it is. Write me a letter. There's a lot of crazy people. I had one call me to the church this week. You don't know what I go through. For all you who say, oh, he only works on Sunday. Come over and spend a week with me and watch what I deal with. I had a guy call me this week. And I hope you're listening online. <laughs> Calls me up and say, uh, is this Pastor David? I'm like, yes. And he says, um, I have a situation. And he explains to me his situation. And he says, so I need you to forward some money to this account by electronically if you can. And I said, who are you? How do you know our church? How do you know I don't know that voice? Oh, I don't go to church. I don't go to your church. But I need money. And I was like. <laughs> and I told him, I'm sorry, we can't do that. Because first, you don't, I don't know you. And second, we don't have money. But if you want to wire me something, it'd be delightful. And this guy did not handle it right. I learned some new profanity in Spanish. Crazy people. I can't believe you're a church. I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. How are you a pastor? And I'm like, I don't know. I ask myself that every day. I'm 
just started yelling. But I had to handle it with grace and discretion. Church, how do you handle it? If we're honest with ourselves, I say, Pastor, I need to get a better handle on how I handle how I handle my behavior, how I handle when I'm hurt, how I handle people I can't handle. You ever notice you can't handle kids nowadays because they know the number to call? You want to, but they're like, I'll come. And you're like, I'll beat you with that phone. How do I get a handle on my words, Pastor? Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Say, Pastor, how do I do that? Daniel teaches us how to do it. You guys ready for this? Because if you're in a place where you need wisdom and you have a situation that you can't get out of, listen up quickly to these three points. Number one, look at verse 17 and 18. Daniel went home and told his friends. That's it. Daniel went home and told his friends. And I want to be so blunt here. It's important who your friends are. Daniel did not handle it alone. He did not say, I got this. He said, I got to go home and tell my friends. And when he went home and told his friends, he said, I, he told them the situation. He said, what's going on, Daniel? How's your day been? Well, see, what happened, what happened was, uh, I was talking to the king. Wow, you were talking to the king. That's awesome. How was it? How was the palace? That must have been amazing. Yeah. I kind of told him that if, I would interpret his dreams, and if I don't, we're all going to die. What? Yeah, I told him that if we don't interpret his dreams by uh, tonight, we're all going to die. So I need you guys to, uh, to pray. I wonder if you're in a situation, do you have the type of friends that will pray with you? Or do you, you have friends that don't even know what prayer is? Do you have friends in your life that you know you can't tell them about your situation because you know they're not going to talk to God because they don't even talk to God? The Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals, good character. And it's important, church, that in this life, you do not do it alone. God will put a friend by your side. A friend that you can be honest with. A friend that you can be real with. A friend that when you're in crisis, you can call, you can text, you can say, how are you doing? I need you. I need this. I need your help. A friend you can open up to. And if you have a friend like that, don't you let them go. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says this. Two people are better off than one. So let's humble ourselves and admit you can't do this life alone. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, because you will have friends that fall, the other can reach because that's what a friend does. You might be the one reaching one day and the one falling the next, but you have a friend that says, I will reach and help you. I will pray with you. Let's go to church together. Let's read the scriptures together. And he reaches for you to help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Daniel went to his friends who are yours. That's why God made a church. If we can do this on our own, we'd be at home reading our Bible. That's what happened after COVID. People were somehow convinced after COVID, hey, you know what? I can be home and listen online and everything's fine. I don't need people. And more and more churches are dying because we are convinced we can do church alone. But God says in Hebrews, do not neglect the gathering of believers. You need church, a physical place of meeting. You need church. And the church needs you. That's why God created the church. So when you fall, you have someone to reach. That's why God created Eve. Because it wasn't good for a man to be alone. That's why David had Jonathan. When David was in trouble and David was depressed and David wanted to give up, he had his friend Jonathan talk to him. That's why Jesus had the 12. And among the 12, he had James, he had Peter, he had John. And he would tell them, I'm in distress. I need you to pray for me now because God has created us for friendship, for fellowship. Don't you ever take this little church for granted. It is a gift from God to say I have a church where I love the people and I love the pastor and my pastor loves me and I learn the word of God. Don't let the devil lie. Stay home. Do it on your own. Watch it online. It ain't the same and you know it. Where else are you going to get coffee as good as Maria makes it? You need the church. Daniel went to his friends. And if you are a friend to someone who falls, be a friend and reaches out. It might be one text away, one coffee away, one dinner, one lunch away. Friendships are vital. Verse 18, he went to his friends and said, ask God. He urged him to ask God. He urged him to ask God. Now, let me let me be. Let's let's really learn today. He he did not urge them to figure it out. He did not urge them to do something. The only thing he begged and urged his friends to do was ask God. Pray. Pray. This brought conviction to my heart. And I hope it does yours. 
Because we're in a position where, oh, I gotta figure things out. I gotta make it happen. I gotta do something. I gotta figure it. I gotta do this. I gotta do it. And God says, just ask me. Just pray. Daniel and all his friends said, Lord, what do we do? James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, you need wisdom right now. Come on, say, Pastor, I need wisdom. If you need wisdom, you should go to Pastor David and call him and ask him and he'll meet with you and come talk to you for a whole month and days and hours. And No. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Come on, praise him. Praise God. Ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God is not a God that says, oh, you're asking me now? But I haven't seen you in church lately. Oh, you're asking me now? Let's see how much she tied last week. Oh, you're asking me now after you went everywhere else? Now you need me. That's not God. Say, Lord, I need wisdom. I'll be happy to give it to you. Wisdom is the ability to discern what's right and true. Knowledge is different than wisdom. Knowledge is just information. The world has information. God has wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make God choices. Not just good ones. God wants wisdom and information and knowledge is different. Let me explain to you in a way that a lot of us are, in our church can understand. Knowledge is knowing how a gun works. Knowledge is knowing about the trigger, the handle, the chamber, the hammer. My father-in-law's like, oh, talk more. <laughs> knowledge is knowing how a gun operates. Wisdom is the ability to know when to fire. Knowledge is knowing how a car functions. Pistons, engines, gas, fuel, etc. Wisdom is the ability to know how to drive it. When to turn, when to stop, when to go, when to yield. Do you get it now? Church, we need wisdom. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, which you will, ask God. Philippians 4, 5-7 says this. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Remember where he said God is close and he's with you and he's near you? You know how other people know God is close and he's near you? is by your gentleness, your sense of calm. Don't tell me, oh, God is here, but you're like this all the time. Let your gentleness, calm, your peace be evident to everyone God's here. Why? Because the Lord says, do not be anxious about anything. And that's the story of your life right now too. Anxiety plagues your thoughts, your life, your sleep, your health. You're worried all the time. What am I going to do? What if? What am I going to do? i got to figure it out. I need wisdom. What am I going to do? Oh, I need to know. I need to know this. I need to know. And you're always anxious and worried. You can't even enjoy today because you're worried about tomorrow. 
And the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but everything, say it with me, in everything by prayer. With petition. With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus. How many of you say, Pastor, I just need peace right now? You know why you have no peace? Because you have no ask. You don't ask God for wisdom. Jesus says, who by worrying can extend the length of their life? Worrying does nothing. No one ever says, ever since I started worrying, I'm telling you, Pastor, my life has been so much better. I'm healthier, I sleep better, I eat better. Anxiety does the opposite. See, the Bible says that God, in verse 19 through 21 and 23, I'm going to close with this. That night, the secret was revealed. You know what I love about this? Time was running out and God showed up. Come on, can you give God praise for that? Time was running out and God showed up. Why? Because that's who God is. At the last second, if you need him, I'm there. Some of you are ruled by time. Dates. Hours. Appointments. Tomorrow. Next month. Next year. Time's running now. And God says, I'm here. Right when you need God reveals to Daniel the vision. See, Daniel was in a place where he went to bed that night. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And if I do nothing, God, I will not see tomorrow. But Lord, I'm just asking to help me figure this out. And the third thing Daniel says, see, Daniel went to his friends because friendships matter. Daniel asked God, and then Daniel did something that I was mind-blowing. He went to sleep. How do you sleep when you know you're going to die tomorrow? if you don't figure it out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't even know what a good night's sleep is anymore. Because you go to bed, glued to your phone, watching the TV, anxious about everything, thinking about tomorrow, the bills, the kids, the ex-wife, the wife, the this, the that, and you're just consumed. But Daniel just said, Lord, I need wisdom. Good night. Because God said he revealed it to him in the vision. The word vision literally means dream. At night. Which in the context tells us. He went to sleep. Here's my third point, church. You ready? It's the most important point. Number one, who are your friends? Number two, ask God. He has the wisdom. Number three, 
do not. What? Do nothing. If you could do nothing about what you're going through, then do just that. Nothing. He slept. He turned his mind off. He prayed and let it go to God. He said, Lord, I don't know. And I could do nothing about it, so I'm just going to ask you and leave it with you. Psalm 46.10 says, be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Isn't it amazing the Bible says, and know that I am God. Because some of you don't sleep because all you say is, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know. And God says, you don't need to know. You just need to know me. I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Don't you think God knows where you're at in your life? Don't you think God knows and follows the stock market? Don't you think God knows what pathetic president we have now? Don't you think God knows where our country is headed? Don't you think God knows what that person did to you? Don't you think God knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, yes. Then be still. That word still in the Hebrew literally means to drop, to let it go. But not just let go, it's to let something go with your hands up. You know what that means? God says, will you just let it go and praise me? Come on, let it go and praise him. Because he knows and he's close. And he's a deliverer. Give him praise in this house this morning. He knows. And he says, be still. Drop it. Let it go. Some of you need to let go of some people that you're trying to change. You're trying to fix. You're trying to get them back in church. And God says, let it go. Let it go. A situation you do nothing about. Let it go. And when Daniel received the revelation of that dream and the answers, verse 27 and 28, he says something that I pray you take away this morning. There's anything you want to take away, take away this church. Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secrets. But there is a God. Come on, praise Him for that. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the vision you saw. And you lay on your back. You know what I love about Daniel? He went in front of that king that could have killed him with one word. 
And before Daniel could have puffed himself up and said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebu, I figured it all out myself. Yeah, all these other guys are chumps. I figured it out. He didn't do that. And he literally, he said, I'm giving God glory where glory is due. I figured it out because God is in heaven. And he sees me and knows me and knows my life and knows my situation and knows my future. So King, I want you to know there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. There is a God right now in heaven watching over you. Let me ask you a question. We know there's a God in heaven. But here's my question, church. Let's all stand. I want to hit you with this one. We know there's a God in heaven, church. Say amen. Amen, pastor. Pre say preach it, pastor. All right. Tell your, hit your neighbors. Hey, he's preaching good today. Go ahead. And then reply back, neighbor. He's preaching to you. Here's my question. You know there's a God in heaven. But do you live like there's a God? If you know there's a God in heaven, then your life should show it. If I know there's a God in heaven, I, I shouldn't live with anxiety and fear. If I know there's a God in heaven, I'm not going to live in sin and immorality because I know there's a God in heaven watching. If there's a God in heaven, I'm going to live with confidence that my God is on the throne watching over me into tomorrow and has everything in His hands. And in verse 48, the king appointed Daniel to a high position. Daniel had no idea. But that night he was filled with sorrow and pain and needed wisdom and life was over and everything was running out of time and he could have been anxious, he could have been afraid, but he knew there was a God in heaven. So he asked him, I need wisdom, Lord, and I'm just going to go to sleep because I can do nothing. I've already talked to my friends. I know they're praying for me. I'm praying for me and I'm going to bed and I'm just going to leave it and let it go and trust you. And God gave him the answer. And when David, when Daniel gave the answers to the king, the king was so overwhelmed with joy, he grabbed Daniel and said, I'm going to promote you. And Daniel got one of the highest positions in all of Babylon. If Daniel would not have gone through what he went through, he would not be in the position that he's in. And you're going through what you're going through because God is repositioning you for greatness. Because there is a God Come on, let's pray today. He's repositioning you. But you're going through. If you're in a place today where you're saying, Pastor, I need wisdom. I'm in crisis. I'm in a crushed spirit. My heart is broken. You run to this altar right now. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be foolish. Run to this altar and pray with me now today. I'm here, I'm here with you. I'm praying this morning. Come on. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, I'm in a place where I need wisdom. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle them. 
But Lord, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who saw what you went through. There is a God in heaven that sees you when you cry. There is a God in heaven that said, I hold your tomorrow. There is a God in heaven that said, do not be afraid. There is a God in heaven that says, be anxious for nothing. There is a God in heaven that says, I know the plans I have for you. There is a God in heaven that says, it is me to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. There is a God in heaven that says, devil, you bow down to me. There is a God in heaven that says, you are going to be okay. There is a God in heaven that says, I'm going to reposition you to things you never saw coming. There is a God in heaven that says sorrow lasts through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Father, in the Jesus name, church, right now, where you're at, just ask him right now. Just say, Lord, I need wisdom. Ask him where. I need a miracle. And as a testimony of you letting it go, today the day you're going to let it go in this altar. You're going to leave this church and you're going to get some sleep. In Jesus' name, it is nap time this afternoon. It is nap time. There's a nice little drizzle of rain outside. I recommend you hey, eat something nice, go home and sleep because you're telling the devil, oh, that thing, I let that go back there at church this morning. And as a testimony of that, would you just raise your hands up and say, Lord, I'm letting it go. Forgive me for my pride. I can't do anything about this. But to you, Lord, I come asking for wisdom. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, no other name. Father, we are faced with an impossible situation that keeps us up at night, that puts fear into our spirits and into our hearts, Lord. But in the name of Jesus, Father, you've said to us, come boldly to your throne. You are a God in heaven. And when no one else can figure it out, and when no one else can find answers, Lord, you are there calmly at your throne in control, knowing what to do next, knowing what's going to happen, Father. For those who are going through an impossible situation, Lord, may you give them the wisdom and the answers they need to be who that you have called them to be. I pray for position, Lord. I pray, Lord, for promotion. I pray, Father, for wisdom. I pray for strength. I pray for those who are crushed in spirit, for those who are defeated this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Holy Spirit, for wisdom. And thank you, Lord, that we can be still and know you are God. We surrender all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Come on, would you give God a real shout of praise this morning? Amen. Amen. Come on, give a real shout of praise today. Grab that person next to you. Hug them and say, he is on the throne. Amen and amen. You guys can have a seat right where you're at. I want to thank you all for joining us this beautiful Sunday morning. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want to thank you for being here.